Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Sean Perry, the writer and director behind the new film Dash. Dash follows Millie, your average everyday rideshare driver, preparing himself for a night on the shift behind the wheel by purchasing a massive amount of cocaine from a prostitute. On the perilous Hollywood streets, he attempts to sell drugs to his unassuming passengers, including a homosexual thruple, some foam-obsessed Gen Zers, and even an off-duty police officer. His attempt to illegally fund his sinful actions takes a literal turn for the worse when he picks up a drug addict going through severe withdrawal. Despite trying to take his nefarious double life to the grave, he continues on, only to keep digging a deeper grave for himself. Dash is currently available on VOD, and I highly recommend you check it out. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Sean. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. How are you? That's, that's rare. That never happens. Let's see if I can get the camera to work, too. Holy man, look at that. Crazy. Look at that first shot. That's, that is rare these days. If only Stacy was here to see this. Holy man. <laughs> so how are you, man? I'm doing well, dude. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, I could talk about this stuff all day, man. Thanks for having me. Love the film. This is, it's the, in, I, I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm 46. Okay. So Slacker is a movie that just is absolutely in my DNA. And uh-huh. this feels like it took some of the general conceit of Slacker and applied it to a thriller. And I absolutely love that about this movie. I've never seen, I've seen things that are similar to it, but never anything that was exactly like this. And I really loved it, man. That's really kind of you, man. That, that means a lot, actually. That, yeah, legendary. That influenced me to say, I, I was more of like a Kevin Smith guy. I think like, his okay, there you before go. Clerks, but yeah, Clerks was definitely like huge, huge inspiration. So let, let's talk about a little bit about the idea of doing a film in one take. Um, you know, in every film, the idea of casting is crucial. You can really mm-hmm. um, blow any movie, but you know it, you can lean into special effects. You can lean into set pieces. You can lean into dialogue. All these things in certain films, and you can kind of get away with some miscasting here. But your center, your lead in this film—if you miscast this, there's no way in hell this movie could work at all. It was crucial to this thing, and I think you found the perfect actor for this thing to really carry this film through. I'll make sure to never tell him that because I don't want his ego to blow up. But yes, I know you're right, man. He's he's a good friend of mine, and you know he did, he was helping me produce this film, and he's a phenomenal actor. But I wanted more help, you know, behind the scenes. And then the more we kind of got talking about it, I'm like, nobody else would put themselves through this, man. Like it's got to be you. And he's a phenomenal theater actor, so he comes from that background already. So it just made sense. In the back of my mind, I always knew it was gonna be him. But we did kind of consider other people. But like you said, it's impossible to cast something like this just because they have to be so dedicated and devoted. And he was. I mean, it's uh, the theater background that makes sense because there's elements of this film that do have that kind of black box feeling to it where you it's almost to some degree it plays out like these vignettes where you have these little interstitials that are coming through. You have the one consistent character where you just kind of have this parade of people coming through his life, uh, through his life, through this one evening through you know, this hour and 45 minutes <laughs> of his life that we get to see. Um, and it's, it's just, it's something that's really small in that scale, but you can feel the movie doesn't look as if it was shot on a dash cam with this because of the way that you, move throughout the city, the places you take it to, when you take it down Hollywood Boulevard and you're getting all these reflections on it, you get a really dynamic looking film, which is something I wasn't expecting here. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that and appreciated that because we did spend a lot of time, you know, even picking the car to make sure yeah. the reflections were the proper angle so we could capture those. So I'm glad you enjoyed that because we did make sure that we 
we tried to make it as visually stimulating as possible, given the fact that the camera doesn't move and it's one shot. And it's pretty much all we had to work with. Well, I, I mean, it, it really does show because if you look, it's almost like you have these different looks throughout the film. If you look at the scene that's on Hollywood Boulevard and then you look at just right after that, when you pick up the girl where kind of the film starts to become what it, we see, what it, when it, the film reveals itself. The look is decidedly changes from those two points of view and you kind of have this one last moment where it's really beautiful before the movie gets pretty dark and pretty intense. I appreciate you calling that out because nobody else has yet. Nobody else has quite respected that. But yeah, you're right because that was very intentional picking those locations based on, you know, lighting that was already established we kind of had to pick our locations wisely to fit the mood and tone and i'm glad you picked up on that thank you very much so then when you're doing your pre-production are you taking around the car and looking at it and kind of doing tests that way to figure out what are the locations what does the map look like i need to get from here to here at this point and uh the logistics behind this must have been pretty intense to put together it, it, it doesn't appear that way it doesn't look like math. <laughs> for a fact there's math going on (laughs) and that's props to both you know alex and our stage manager liz they just they were willing to put in the effort and you know even because when we first started the film i lived in los angeles for a a month or two i knew nothing about los angeles man nothing so i think i was telling other people that the original draft they were going to beverly hills and santa monica and hell they might go to san diego (laughs) you know it's like i had no idea and then realistically we started driving and i was reading the scenes i'm like oh my god man we got to stay right in Hollywood. We have no other options. So just a lot of trial and error. And I, really all it was is just a lot of patience and willingness to kind of think outside the box and try to just roll with the punches. And can you talk a little bit about the idea of doing a confined story and really limiting the scope of this and the idea of working from, I mean, I love movies like Locke, Buried, these, ide- these really small pieces like that. And I find that... Um, I think the thing that attracts me is the same thing, the same reason I would go to a play because it really is a format that allows actors to shine in that moment. And is that what led you to this or was it something? Yeah, I've I've always been a fan of the theater for sure. Uh, I think predominantly the main reason why we chose this structure is because budgetary wise, it's pretty much all we could afford. But, you know, writing is my favorite process of the whole filmmaking endeavor. And it's, brought about an awesome challenge as a writer is how can you tell an engaging story with one location and zero cuts? How can you do that? So I think to, that was my most fun challenge is how can we try to engage this audience for an hour and 45 minutes in a car? And uh, I think when you try to attack a story from just a very simplistic one point of view, it just opens up a whole nother world of very small intricacies that you can have fun with. So like we got to have a lot of fun with it. But at first, I think it was challenging. How many takes did you do of this? How many run-throughs? Yeah, so I think we rehearsed for like a month leading up, you know, via Zoom and then meeting people individually. And then we rehearsed in a, a backyard of a friend's house where we set up chairs, lawn chairs, and rehearsed that way. And then we did, I think, three days of like a dress rehearsal where we actually drove the actors to the location, showed, and we did a whole run-through. But if, if something was, you know, off, we would stop and kind of readjust and then retackle it again. But as far as the actual shooting, we had three consecutive nights and that's all we had, you know, for camera gear and rentals. So, yeah, we had three nights. But by that time, all the actors were so well versed in all the dialogue and, you know, action that it was just kind of like, you know, like reading the box upon. They just knew what to do. And are you going through because, I mean, I have no idea what the budget of this thing was. I I can't tell. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't it doesn't. It could be a lot more expensive (laughs) than I think. And it could probably be a lot cheaper than I would imagine as well. is this movie, are you getting permits to go around and shoot this to make sure you have this blocked up or? <laughs> Stacy, I can't hear him. What's he saying? I can't hear him. What's okay, going on? Right, 
the movie was shot very, very cheaply. That's all I'll say. That's enough. That's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it had that. There's, I think there's something that um, that you can't replace and you can't duplicate. And it's this thing that happened when you have friends putting together a film on the weekends. You are talking about Kevin Smith before. And you have, there's an energy that you get with independent film that when you're kind of just saying, okay, this is what we have. Let's go make something. I see El Mariachi behind behind me. That's Robert Rodriguez was kind of the first guy that made that clear. I have a bus, I have a guitar, and I have a dog. This is what the movie I can make with that. And I feel that energy when I'm when and it's something I always respond to. I think there's something no cynicism in it. I think is how. It, I would and I think if anything, this whole project brought is like I love being kind of lumped in with those guys who just kind of went out and did it because those are the guys that inspired me. Like, you know, because we did spend time waiting and pitching movies and getting nowhere. So, like, if there's one thing I'm most proud of, it's the fact that that's still possible that, you know, guys with no industry connections or people involved in the business, they can come through with a good idea and a good crew and, you know, make a decent film and get distributed on a scale like this. I mean, it hasn't, it, it happens, but it's so rare and it's really cool that it's going to happen to me because those are the guys that I looked up to. Well, it's the, the limitations are, much different than they used to be because I mean, camera gear is not cheap by any means, but it's not what it used to be. Um, when you're shooting on film and you're renting, you know, beds to do your editing and all that stuff, you know, you're, you can make an investment in a camera for what and own it for what you used to pay to rent the equipment. So it's actually, it's incredible what you can do now. It's crazy. I think, I mean, for our rental costs, I mean, to be just give one set of numbers to rent the camera gear and the awesome lens for, three days a weekend rental was less than a thousand dollars like that's outrageous that you can get oh. that high quality and that's just rental prices in los angeles so like when i saw that i'm like you gotta be kidding me why isn't everybody it's, it's mind-boggling you know every the technology i just got to that point where you have the tools but i think if there's one thing i'm kind of proud of it's like you know when we live in this disification of all of Hollywood with all these massive blockbusters and special effects that people are willing to kind of watch a movie like this, where there isn't a lot of special, it's story. And that's kind of like, it's, I'm very proud of the fact that this is essentially a, a screenwriter's kind of movie where it's just roll with it. And I, I like that. There's always going to be an audience for a film like this, for something that's different, for something that's off the beaten path. It's, you know, the best job I ever had was working at a video store. And that was just because it was recommending movies to people all day. It was just basically, it was, we, uh, the, us clerks, we were the algorithm. We would talk to people for a few minutes, get what they, f try to figure out what they knew and lead them down that path. And it was something that's, um, I, I think that this is the type of film that people will share with each other because it'll be that thing that's unique. And, you know, it'll be, it's just has that energy behind it that I absolutely, re that resonates with me. I appreciate because I know it's not for everybody. I, I'm whole. I, I know what people want, especially yeah. nowadays. But like for the filmmaking audience, I think they can, if anything, respect it. I know like there's flaws. Obviously, there's with every film. But I really that means a lot. You saying that. I also am curious where your video store was. It was in. Uh, I live in Arizona, so it was in Tucson, okay. Arizona. Okay, so. got you. I, I my, one of my good friends as a child. He his father owned the the local video store. So on Saturdays it was so awesome. We could pick whatever movie we wanted and hide in the back room. And, watching boys in the hood at five years old. Okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things. And I think that's why I do this today. It's that's really so at the cool. end of the day. I just want, I that's, and that's why I, your film is literally the exact reason that I still do this every day that I want to get out there, that I want to share films. I think there's things that go maybe under the radar that need to get that little bit of a spotlight on them. That's, this is something special, something that's unique and that I want to share with people. Cause I think that somebody that's looking for something a little bit different. This is, 
yeah, th- this is one that I can easily, easily recommend. It's if you, somebody that enjoys performance, somebody that wants something to laugh out loud, funny, because there's moments <laughs> in here that are fucking hysterical, man. There is like, I genuinely, like, I don't laugh out loud when I'm watching something in a literal sense by myself, but there's several moments here that I absolutely died. And I, I don't want to. Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. I'm joined today by my son, Jacob. Jacob, say hello to the people. Oh, there you go. You're already on it. So Jacob, when you go to Bookman's, what is it that you like to look at? What do you like to get? To get toys. You like to look at the movies and you like to get the coffee news, the newspaper they have out front. That's great. So last time we went into Bookman's, I picked up a movie. Um, what movie did I get, Jacob? A stick from New York, but that's the name as it hurts of the uh, ex... Uh, as the cover. Sorry, sorry. I so, no, no, you're okay. Would you talk a little bit about what you see on the cover of Escape from New York on this Blu-ray that I got? So, based on this cover, you see... Mm, Grass shattered, and also the Statue of Liberty's face fell apart. Because in this movie, Escape from New York, is the introduction is a man trying to save the president's daughter, and New York turns into a prison in this movie. And there's the hero, as you can see, very strong, in fact. Oh, yeah. Now, this is one of my favorite movies. I love this movie. Now, you're too young to watch it because you're only six years old, but... Do you think in a couple of years from now, when you get a little bit older, you'll want to check out Escape from New York? Yes. Okay. What's a movie that you've seen that we picked up at Bookman's that you like? Come here. Talk so that people can hear you. A Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. That's a great movie. So when you're going to Bookman's, you can get movies, DVDs, Blu-rays, 4K, Laserdisc, VHS. You can also get comic books, books, newspapers, magazines, home furnishings. Uh, you can get tons of stuff there. Because remember... Bookman's has your cool covered. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yay, that was a good idea. Give away the film, because one of the wonderful things about this movie is the pacing of it and how it reveals itself. Um, and it's I, I never thought the movie was slow. I never feel like it's it, I was absolutely compelled right away. And then it just becomes something different than I was anticipating it would. It, it, it becomes a thriller at like the halfway mark. You're doing kind of the, uh, th- this is that, um, oh God, it, it has that switch in it. It's where you think it's one movie and it becomes something totally different. Kind of like a from dust till dawn. Almost. There you go. That's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, t- yeah. but if you think of the opening sequence, you're telling us right away the type of person that we're dealing with, but he's so goddamn charming in the movie that despite everything that we see about him, I think you're still compelled and interested in him. That uh, he is, I think, a very fun person to watch because you, you despise this man, but you still kind of feel for him. Like you, yeah. he's not doing the best things, but you kind of know why he's doing it, and it's it, that makes a fun character for me. I think, I think, cut and dry, black and white. And so then, um, Gravitas is putting this out. When is this going to be? When is this being released? When are, when people can people see so it? It's, a, it's actually X Y Z that's putting X Y Z. I'm so sorry. XYZ. No. Completely understand because that's funny because we did talk to Gravitas too. It's, it's really, really funny. Uh, but no, XYZ is putting this out and it actually released yesterday. yesterday. Okay. It was a big, you know, it's on on demand on Prime and Apple TV. And so, yeah, the, the reviews are starting to roll in and people are like, I'm getting a lot of people back home from small town Pennsylvania. I've been there from the beginning. Like, Wait, watching what, part of Pen- what part of Pennsylvania are you from? 
I'm from the middle, like the middle of nowhere, Western PA. It's oh. an awesome little town called Kane, but I always say it's closer to Pittsburgh just because it's sure. the Western side. People know what that means. I, I used to live in Delaware, so I was on the uh, Eastern side. I spent quite a bit of time going up to PA when I was a kid. And I, I'm I sorry. I was to Philly. <laughs> I, I was in Philadelphia pretty much every weekend when I was a teenager going up to the Trocadero to see shows. So yeah. Oh, I, wow. Cool, cool. Yeah. That was uh, my life for a long time, but I'm jealous because my town was so small. I mean, we, our closest movie theater was an hour away. Like we, I never got the theater experience as a kid. Well, we did, but not nearly as much as. Oh, really? Yeah, man. So like, and it's funny because now, I love theatrical movies, but I'm just, like I said, growing up and not really going to the theater much. It was kind of like just like some people go to the opera once a year. This was my opera. We would go to the movies once around Christmas time when we see our family. So like we never went. I'll put it this way. I can I see eight posters behind you. Um, <laughs> I've seen every one of those movies. I love every one of those movies. I saw one of them in the theater. That was really? It. Okay. Well, yeah, so yeah. every one of those movies I saw, I discovered on VHS in a bad format and i you know it was i watched at home but i still fell in love with these things they were less than ideal conditions you know and pan and scan cuts of them but you know the warriors evil dead and bruges all these movies are things that i should have seen and you know i just i maybe caught them in a revival house years later several of those i I don't know if i've seen any of those in a theater to be honest i've seen the thing a couple times it's been oh really but yeah if you have a chance watch that projected it's worth it for sure and it's funny too because as much as i do i love the theater now but i almost think there's a certain charm watching movies like evil dead on vhs in your basement with the lights off like there's a certain charm to that too so i can respect both sides oh yeah 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 absolutely um it's there's there's certain movies there's certain aesthetics that kind of make sense in that way despite the fact that i'm sure Ramey would never want his movie to be seen that way at this point in time that it's always go with the highest quality that you can and i generally feel that way but there's certain things that just it feels it does. It's not taking itself so seriously at that exactly. point. You know, you can just have fun with it. Uh-huh. Which, speaking of which, I, I'd be remiss to like not point out the Citizen Dick shirt, which is just I've been watching. That's this the whole funny. Time. You called that out. No, I direct the second person to ever call that out. That's wild. So you know I mean, your movies, on, man. Singles, come on. I mean, yeah. That, that I Matt Dillon, I think, is one of the most underused and underappreciated actors. I of completely this generation. agree, man. I've always loved that man. Always, always, always. I was just, I was just reading or listening to Tarantino on a podcast the other day, talking about how he was originally supposed to be uh, Vincent, or uh, no, he wanted to play Vincent, but he, he ended up he was supposed to be Bruce Willis's boxer character, Butch. I, he mentions that in his book. I just finished his book. I haven't um, read the book yet. It, okay. It's great. It's cinema speculation. I mean. Um, if you like Tarantino, I'm a fan. So if yeah. you enjoy his stuff, it's absolutely Tarantino. So if you don't like him, if you find his shtick to be annoying or grating, it's not for you. But if you if you enjoy him, then I think you'll come the, away po- with at least a few the, recommendations. The poster you can see to my left, there's like a it's not a 24 by 36. It's like a four foot by six foot poster of Reservoir Dogs that I have on my wall over there. So he was yeah. quite the inspiration growing up. And there's a couple nods to him in the film as well. Uh, yes, I, I had a feeling that was the case. Um, yeah, again, without uh, giving specific moment away, I think anybody who's familiar with this stuff will definitely see some elements here. So, um, but I, congratulations on the movie, man. I really dig it. I think this is something that's easy to recommend to people. People are going to love this movie. I think you're going to you're going to have a shelf life with this one, and I'm excited for whatever's coming next. So, what is the next thing you're doing, Sean? Yeah, so that's been a question people have been asking a lot. And there's one script I have in particular that I'm 
it's very tonally similar to Dash. And instead of being taking place in a car, it takes place at a hunting camp, which is kind of more home for me being Western Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Same kind of vibe, very tense, thriller, very comedic. Like I said, same general tone, which is in a camp rather than a, a moving car and not one take. <laughs> <laughs> not going to head down that path again? Not going to head down that path, no. Well, congratulations, man, because you, you did something really fun here. And, and it's something that transcends this conceit that might get people to watch it. I, I think you forget that this is one take within a few minutes and you're just into the story, which is, I, I think, the goal, probably. That's really nice of you to say, and that means the world. And it's funny you can say that, too, because we talked to somebody the other day and like, oh, wow, that was done in one take. I didn't even notice. <laughs> that's a good thing, I guess. If you can't tell and you're engrossed in the story, then absolutely. I, guess I When I first heard about it, the to pay a compliment, it's I this becomes watching rope to me where I'm like, okay, I'm going to look for the cuts. I'm going to look yeah. for the seams here. Where can I see it? Um, just kind of looking for that. And I completely let go of that idea of watching cool, the, the film dork inside me, let go pretty quick and just watch. That's great. It's fun. Cause there, it, it truly is one take and believe me, I wanted to cut. I had, a, I had two cuts planned because, you know, obviously there's different performances from different nights that are, yeah. I think, you know, superior but I think just being able to say that the one true take meant more than a little improvement in that one particular performance or whatever it is. So, and, and I, uh, you, you were the editor of the film, which I respect the hell and love editing. It's one of those. It's a it's alchemy that I don't understand that I respect, and it's hard. I don't know how those people do it. And but when your film has no cuts in it, I think there's prop that's editing I might be able to get my head around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, it's funny because just dealing with the technical aspects of the editing process. I mean, my computer. I mean, my computer is from 2008. I have a 2008 Mac Pro cheese grater. It's old as hell. I I couldn't physically play the footage when we finished shooting. I couldn't. It was so intense. It was 8K Jesus footage from my computer. So I had to rebuild my computer from scratch just to play back the footage. And then you know you would think that the editing process would be simple. Like there's no cut, of course. But at the same time, there's no excuse not to have that perfect frame because it is just that <laughs> so i mean i spent so i think there's something like 150 after effects compositions throughout the film that I added in like very minor things like certain reflections that i replaced and sure. uh i spent I, I the joke is i spent a month of my life relighting the driver's hand because the light was there and it was too hot so i had to rotoscope around his hand throughout the two hour long movie it took me a month. Never to thought do. there was rotoscoping, <laughs> right? Yeah, so it's like little things like that, which like I'm like, okay, I'm done, and pe people are like, well, man, like that one little thing. And I'm like, damn, you're right, and I have no excuse to not make it absolutely perfect. And I've messed around with like doing the After Effects and visual effects for a long time, so I enjoy doing that. I didn't mind, and even like the text messages. I think there was something like 50 different text messages and phone calls, and it works really really well i mean it's probably the height of that is when you have those two younger women in the back seat and that's just one of the, the i mean that you could show that as a trailer for the movie just unto itself that little sequence is hilarious man it's great i appreciate that thank that, you so much you see that every once in a while the idea that the, their performance is pretty much silent um that it's they have very little dialogue and everything there's an exchange between these two women and it's just it's brilliant man it's and props really to them i mean to be honest the reactions they had were real time they were texting that stuff in real time and they recorded their screens so i could match up what they were doing when they were oh. phenomenal so they probably rehearsed just as much as everybody else if not more because they went that, they were texting. that was actually a question i had because did and i, I know i'm getting close to time here but was that something where 
he was reacting to were they re, was he reacting to the stuff that was actually on his phone or did he just know what was supposed to be projected at that point yes yeah, so with them specifically because there was no actual vocalization if there was a lull or delay because they did have one where they caught one stoplight where they weren't expecting uh, okay. but so alex and them would know that they would change their performance and Alex would address his line based on where they were on the street. So I think it was like once they hit one stoplight, they, he says his line. And then once they go to the next stop sign, it's, it's, it was just such a weird science. It just took a lot of practice and rehearsal and having a good team behind you. It's wild. And it just works, man. It absolutely works. Like it's those kinds of things that you don't see when you're watching this, you know, intellectually that that kind of work had to be happening, but you're not, you don't even see it when you're watching the film, which is, which is great. good. I'm really, really glad because I know a lot of a couple of the actors were kind of bummed that their performance wasn't exactly their best. But I think that kind of because we, we we used the second night and I think a lot of them wanted to use the third night where there was mm-hmm. a certain raw energy on the second night where people were still excited, but like not perfectly off book and like or they were off book, but like they would hiccup a little bit and it just seemed more natural. Um, I tend to lean and gravitate towards more of a natural style than polished. I think that mm-hmm. when things feel you can polish things to the point that they lose their emotional reaction. They, we don't speak perfectly. We exactly. don't speak in script form. There's a lot of ums and ahs and run on sentences. And yeah, well, it's never that pretty. So I think that that works for this completely. I couldn't agree more, man. Thank you for that. Seriously. Thank you so, so much. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today, Sean. I appreciate it. I really love the film and I'm I'm looking forward to what's coming down the pike next, man. It's an absolute pleasure talking to you. It's so much fun answering these questions because I was always the one asking them myself. So it's really cool, man. Thank you for having me and your joy. And I, I look forward to hopefully talking to you again, man. I awesome. hope so, man. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you to that because I'm please, a fan. Please, so please. I want to see whatever's coming next. We could geek out about movies for hours, man. Poor Stacey. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Looking at your taste, I think we'd get along just fine. So. Absolutely, man. Right. It was an absolute pleasure. Take care, man. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you, Stacy. Appreciate it. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
Bitch crack.